Hey everybody, it's Ryan and we're back with another edition of Small Business Chronicles. This has become your Swiss Army knife for small business. If you need it, we got it. You can go look through the back catalog of shows on smallbusinessdelivered.com. We've covered everything from emotional intelligence, how to network, networking etiquette. We're coming up, we're going to talk about selling your biz. On more shows, we're going to talk about selling your business and just a myriad of other things going on in the business world. But today I want to talk about today, we got Tyler Ward of CSG Cyber with us. And we're going to talk a little bit about cybersecurity. I know it's this big, scary thing, and it probably should be a big, scary thing, but we're going to find out exactly how big and scary today. What's that for? How's that for an intro, Tyler? Yeah, that sounds really good. It's super suspenseful. I love it. Right. I like to... I like to uh, invoke those 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 feelings of let's stick around and find out. Oh yeah, definitely stick around and find out. We've got some cool stories. So, oh, all right. Well, uh, tell us a little bit. I always, I you know, I have one question. It was my first question that I ask every guest that sets across from me, virtually or real. Uh, we're going to be hearing quite a bit from you today. So tell us today why we should trust you. <laughs> I love it. All right. Yeah. So. Um... My name is Tyler Ward, and I've been in cybersecurity for going on 17 years now. Um, I, I actually got into cybersecurity through some sort of, you know, you, you have those moments in your life where you look back and say, how did I, how did I get into this field? Like, where did this come from? Where did the interest arise from? I was always, I always loved technology. So my, you know, my family would ask me to fix, you know, different tech around the house, VCRs, like whatever it was back in the nineties, you know, kind of growing up. And, um, I worked for my parents' business one summer was in my in between my junior and senior year in high school. My my parents have run an asphalt company for 39 years now. So I come from a small business background of all the highs and lows of watching how that goes with a family-owned business. So it was really awesome to watch. But worked for their company uh, for that summer to save up enough cash to buy my first car. So I worked the whole summer putting asphalt chemicals down to the ground. Super hot summers, upstate New York, traveling around doing this really, you know, very hard manual labor. Get done with that. And I've saved about 4,500 bucks. So I go over to eBay to buy my first car. Long story short, I get scammed through um, a phishing website. And I end up sending my $4,500 to uh, a hacker in Romania, cyber crime gang in Romania. So we contacted the FBI. We let them know. And this was kind of early into things. This was before cybersecurity was really even a thing. Nobody really know, knew what to do about it. And the FBI, um, you know, they were uh, pretty dismissive about it. And they said, hey, look, you, you know, your money's gone. Um, this is how it happened. They had a duplicate website that looked exactly like eBay. So when you clicked on the picture of the car that you wanted, it dragged you over to this other website, which was illegitimate. It piqued my interest a little bit. So a few years later, um, I joined the Air Force and started doing Air Force uh, cyber operations with them. And I did that for about four years, spent about a year in Afghanistan, uh, about eight months over in Northern Africa, over near Somalia, um, and just traveled around with the Air Force as an enlisted guy doing cyber ops with them. Got out, went to work for some of the intelligence agencies out of the DC area, again, doing cybersecurity operations. After that, built cybersecurity companies uh, throughout the Northeast, and then in 2017 started my own company. Uh, a lot's happened between then. Um, you know, I've run penetration tests and hack ethical hacking for hundreds of companies. So that's when companies pay you to break into them and show you how you broke into them. 
That's a lot of what we do today. And also responding to cyber attacks. Uh, we've got hundreds under our belts. Personally, I've got over a couple hundred uh, cyber attack responses under my belt as well. So it's been a wild ride. Really wild. So, absolutely. So we're going to trust you. That sounds like a pretty impressive resume. Uh, so I have some questions, though. Uh, which is one thing that has always interested me, and this has nothing to do with business. This is just me going down a rabbit hole. Ethical hacking, right? Because I've always thought, man, hacking and cybersecurity is so tough because companies have rules on what they can do. Hackers do not. Yeah. So that always makes that balance. It's like cops and robbers. Cops have, they, they have to do certain things. They can't do certain things. Uh, and, and then right, the, the criminal, they can do whatever they want. So explain to me a little bit ethical hacking and, and what limitations or rules are put in that. That's always interested me. Yeah, no, that's a super good question. So before any ethical hacking engagement that we run with an organization, we talk about the rules of war with them. We talk about what, what, um, you know, what we would like to do to show you this, you know, full holistic picture of your security in a similar fashion as an attacker would. And the company usually comes back with certain parameters around, you know, don't touch these systems. You can mm -hmm. go this far, but once you get, if you get to this point, notify us, stop the testing yeah. and notify us. So we set the, we set the tables as far as the rules of war go. However, we get the occasional client that says, carte blanche, man, go ahead. And <laughs> don't tell anybody you're doing it. So sometimes we may have like the, like the CEO or the company yeah. owner and nobody else knows that we're doing anything. And, um, you know, th sometimes those involve us with uh, step ladders and hard hats and toolboxes with hidden cameras in them and going into businesses physically. And those are really fun engagements because that is a true um, kind of vista into what you're, what what could an attacker do with this information? It, it, that's that's like the closest to movie hacking that I've ever heard. So you guys actually get to like put like dread like like put costumes or disguises, mm -hmm. uh, whatever the appropriate uh, word here is, and and go in and like scope these places out. So you guys will go even that far to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, a few years back, it was five or six years ago at this point, uh, but I was detained inside of the lobby of Radio City Music Hall because of that question around the rules of war, the rules of engagement. Those, yeah. weren't, those were properly established, but they weren't communicated with the building owners of Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. So when we went to go do that testing, um, everybody in the company that we were testing knew about it. Well, our, our contacts did. However, yeah. the security and um, you know New York's NYPD did not know what we were doing. So right. we were detained for a little while. So. That's fine. Uh, it, so maybe you can put this to rest. There's a theory on the internet is if two guys in a ladder can walk into anywhere, right? That's so, it, it's, <laughs> that's so, so that's confirmed here today. It is. There's, um, you know, there's definitely there. There are definitely things that you can carry to get into certain places. A clipboard is almost a for sure getting um, a hard hat and a construction vest. You're you're getting into anywhere you want. Ladders are a little bit clunky, but they work. Not only do they work, <laughs> long ladders are the best because people will hold the door open for you as well. Heavy metal ladders, so you'll have somebody <laughs> likely to open the door for you and let you in as well. Do, do you have that thing in your head? You're like, well, they're literally holding the door for me. Like they're yeah. literally just inviting me to hack their shit. 
That's we've, that's what they're doing at this point. We've actually had engagements before to where, um, and it was this was an insane coincidence. But um, a partner and I, we were sitting outside of this building and waiting. There were a manufacturing company, just waiting, waiting, waiting. Nothing happening. The doors are all locked from the outside. You know, pretty secure facility. We had construction uniforms on, and they had a fire drill in the middle of our exercise. <laughs> so all of a sudden, everybody starts coming out of the building, and my partner and I are like, "Let's go." So we walk in as everybody else is walking out mm-hmm. and I make eye contact with my point of contact. Who's the CEO of this company? Yeah. She looks at me and they just keep out walking. She didn't even notice that it was me because of the confusion of everybody oh, yeah, of going course. in and out. But that was one of those weird circumstances because we were ready to leave. We were like, you know, this probably isn't happening today. We're not going up on the roof. Um, you know, not much here. And then all of a sudden we hear a fire drill going on. We're like, you've got to be kidding me. It wasn't us. Now it's. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's true. I, you know, I find it's like this. So we have stories about, you know, the ladders and the clipboards, and the hard hats, but most of the time, if you're just nice to people, they're want, they're going to be nice back. They're going to watch it. It's all about confidence. I found out for reasons we're not going to discuss in public, uh, that if you just walk into places with the confidence that you're supposed to be there, yeah. people just let you walk in there and do pretty much whatever you want Mm -hmm. they sure do yeah people i think there's just you know and going back to what you said about you know the the bad guys have no rules and we're the ones that have rules is that it's it's true people genuinely i think want to be nice to other human beings of course so they give a lot of leeway and they don't always expect unless you've been you know confronted with cyber attacks for your whole career These possibilities that go through my mind and the mind of many other professionals who are in this field are not necessarily the same things that go through the mind of a business owner every day. And that's where we see a a tremendous disconnect a lot of times is because we we are thinking theoretically around the things that we've seen, the things that I've seen in my career, the Mm -hmm. you know the business owner who's who's telling me, hey. Um, two more days of this and I have to close a 110 year old company that's been a family owned for 110 years. Those are situations that like, they just get burned into my mind around what are the potential ramifications in this field? And it's, it's scary for businesses. It it really is. So when you're going in, when you're the two ladder guy or the fire drill, what is it that you're physically looking for? Because this, this this is the rabbit hole now. Is mm-hmm. what is it that you're physically looking for? Because because if yeah. you don't understand phishing, it's like you said they they switch sites on you or they get you to send passwords. But we 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 don't usually think like in the movies or in I. Uh, uh, in all the whatever hacker shows, you know, they're in there and they're in this lit up mainframe putting little bugs or whatever. Uh, so, so what's the reality of why are people walking in to hack your stuff like this? Yeah. So the walk-in hacking, the physical hacking, I would say it's, it's definitely a uh, considerable amount more rare, uh, rarer than um, yeah. digital hacking, hacking from afar, but it definitely still happens. Our, you know, kind of modus operandi of what we're doing while we're inside of a building is we want to be in the building uh, for the least amount of time possible. Yes. Um, and it's usually, uh, we're usually forced to go into a physical facility because their digital security is tight enough to keep us out. So we have to make right. that next very risky move. That's why it doesn't happen a whole lot to go into the building to put, um, you know, an implant on their network so that we can just back out and get in remotely from afar, wherever we are. So it's usually a very quick scenario. However, there are times to where there are, 
isolated systems that are heavily guarded and highly secure um, that we need to go in there and physically take. So we have been in engagements before to where we've gone into the most sensitive offices and we've pulled uh, servers out of their racks and taken a picture and then sent it to the CEO and said, hey, you know, we're, we're in here. This is where <laughs> we can go from here. Would you like us to actually pull the servers out of the rack now? And usually that's a no, please don't do that. Yeah, like, like stop, we're done, we get we're the done. point. Because yeah. I'm just imagining you walking through cubicles looking for Karen's little note with the username and password on it. There's so that, there's that oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, totally. There's that too. There's the office snooping um, and looking at, you know, people's computers and things like that. Occasionally we'll grab a lap, somebody's laptop, we'll take it with us and then put it on the front desk or something like that just to kind of like yeah. leave a little bit of a message. But there are some paper files that are also valuable within organizations as well. Um, there, you know, I would say any any business that's been in business for over 30 years, they have obviously a tremendous amount of digital records, but they also of have course. a tremendous amount of paper records too. That those are that's still valuable information. All their tax returns, you know, business filings, formations, and all that kind of stuff. So valuable information. Usually, it's just getting in for the amount of time that we need to to put a an implant on the network. However, with you know. Security has changed, and so you know my company's obviously had to evolve with security as well. So a flavor of physical security assessments that we always put on now is not so much digital, but on the human protection side of yeah, your doorways can be tripped through X Y Z mechanisms, mm-hmm. and if you have a disgruntled employee or an active shooter situation. This is that. This is what we care about too. Yeah, um, it's about the, that that human safety of if we can get in the building this easily, then somebody could certainly get in the building with malintent, you know, whether it's digital or physical. So the world's definitely changed. Yeah. So since we've already kind of went down this road, yeah. what are what are some big misconceptions about cybersecurity? Because you've blown my mind a couple times about the the going in and, and the remote access and stuff. What are some of the biggest things that you find talking to clients, CEOs, people on the street, dumb podcast hosts that that they that that that's the thing that everybody gets wrong about cybersecurity or hacking? Yeah. So there's. There's a lot of things um, that I could put my finger on, and I, I want to pick out some more uh, broadly discussed things that we see across most of the organizations that we work with. I think that there's there's usually a common misconception that uh, we're fine, we're we're okay. We have an IT person, we have an IT team, and we're covered. We we think they're doing the right things, and this is usually coming from the executives. And w- once we get into the mix, we quickly realize that, you know, IT and cybersecurity, they, they are two completely different fields. Software engineering and cybersecurity are two completely different fields as well. So I would say that's the biggest misconception is, hey, we have all these technical staff members. We have a CTO. Uh, we have lead software developers. We've got IT administrators. They have to be doing the right thing. So we have to be pretty secure, right? And then we come in and do an assessment and show them, you know, how how bad things really are. And it's not a knock on the, the IT teams or anybody else. They're just doing their job. But they're, this is a science that we've been studying and honed our craft for many years. And it's exactly what we do. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Next to that is, um, you know, and industry peers will definitely chuckle at this one. But compliance does not equal security, man. 
We've seen some organizations that have that are compliant with every cyber regulation that you can think of, and they still have a major cybersecurity incident, or there are just you know uh, glaring gaps in their security. So I would say that that's another big one as well. Uh, uh, so so now that we're 16 minutes in of talking about things we never intended to talk about, uh, so when small business, that, welcome to my show. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So. So small business, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, those those small guys, those whatever. Um, so I, I had an incident, I guess it was four or five years ago. Uh, a buddy of mine was working in uh, like a rent-to-own store or whatever, and they actually did a ransom attack to where they locked down everybody's stuff. Uh, just like the FBI, like you said, they traced it. Uh, they traced it to uh, overseas, and it was just, hey, we're going to hold your stuff until you pay us this much money. The FBI goes, well, you can pay them or you can not get your stuff back. That's that's going to be a you choice, guys. Um, and that's kind of how it ended up. They ended up paying it and going on or whatever. Uh, so on, on our level of solopreneur, entrepreneur, um, uh, business under 10 people, what are some cybersecurity things that we need to be aware of? Because as you get bigger and big corporations and you become targets, we see a lot of smaller people get picked off by ransomware and other things as well. So so take take me through like what we need to look at as a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good question. I would say that uh, never, never think that, you know, because of the size of your business that you're not a target. It's just simply not true. It's it's just not true. Um, and we've dealt with clients, um, you know, a company of two people, all the way up to you know massive organizations. And um, you know, it, it's just the attackers are looking for the low hanging fruit. So if you are one of those low hanging fruit, then they you'll get picked off as well. So I would say that's number one: is don't think because you're too small that you're a tar- that you're not a target. And also recognize that attackers. They will scope your company. They may gain access to your small organization, recognize your growth, and then wait for a very opportune time to hit you too. So we've seen that before to where attackers have been embedded within an organization from the start, from you know a very, uh, you know, kind of their inception phase. And they've waited a number of years to really hit them. They've learned all this information about them throughout the course of them doing business. So I would say, you know, that's obviously, that's that's something that I would advise businesses to take care of as well. Um, for small businesses, it's really about hitting the basics of security. Um, there are, and I just had a conversation with somebody uh, right before this, uh, uh, a coworker of mine about cybersecurity regulations and sets of standards and frameworks that are out there and how it's confused the industry so much. There's, um, you know, 150 to 200 different regulations and standards and cybersecurity frameworks and best practices that are out there that businesses are looking to consultants because they have no idea which one to choose or what to do. So that can create a lot of confusion. So before I set the table and say, hey, implement a set of standards, find the set of standards that works well for your business. There are a number of them out there. They're free for you to use. Um, One of them is called the CIS 18 Critical Security Controls. The other one is called the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. Those are the only two I'll say in this this session here, just to keep things simple and give somebody an actionable track. But essentially what those two things are, are cookbooks for your security. They're an item by item listing that you as a business owner or a small organization can go through 
to get prescriptive controls to lock down your security. It's it's probably the best thing that you can do as a small organization because implementing those early sets you up for success later because we know as the more you grow as an organization, the more difficult it is to implement these things. It just becomes something that's untenable from, for uh, large org, uh, large companies that have complex IT infrastructures and things like that. Uh, you had mentioned like IT and cybersecurity yeah. uh, before. And, and I think I want to address that with with small business owners for just a hot second is that, yeah, there's a lot of misconception that if you can set a VCR, you're a cybersecurity guy, or if you can do that, then you know everything there is to know about it. And even though technology is baked into a lot of the businesses we do today, here in America, at this point in time we're living in, we I, I feel like we're in this small business boom that people that aren't technological and aren't tech savvy are already creating businesses themselves. So um, so differentiate differentiate for me IT and cybersecurity for for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's definitely crossovers between the two paths. Most cybersecurity professionals who are, you know, my age, uh, they started out in IT because cybersecurity wasn't a, it just wasn't a field. You know what I mean? You just couldn't you couldn't get right into cybersecurity uh, from the cuff. So there's definitely some crossover between the two. And experienced cybersecurity professionals will also be proficient IT professionals. However, that road usually doesn't go the other way. It usually doesn't go the route of somebody has studied and um, trained to become a cybersecurity professional, and then they went into IT. It usually doesn't go backwards like that for a number of different reasons, probably financially, more opportunity, things like that. But um, the key differentiators are, I, I always like to think of IT as they are, um, they're not just the wrench turners because they can be very strategic, but their goal is to enable your business. It's to enable your business to function and grow and to um, uh, curate your user your user base experience as well. Um, so it's really about making that clock tick. And cybersecurity professionals, their sole job is to lock your organization down and prevent bad things from happening to your company. Uh, uh, thank you for that explanation for that uh, difference between yeah. the two. Because the other question I'm going to ask you about small businesses, there is just knowing from coming from digital marketing and website development and stuff. So, so take us through some of the things that we need to worry about. Because if you don't know, like there's phishing, there's backend attacks, there's there's whatever for small business owners. What are the most common? Because we're starting to see, like I said, them getting hit more. Um, so, what are the most common markers that you're trying to be hacked? or that something is up so maybe somebody can catch this before it starts? So phishing is the number one, for sure. Um, phishing attacks via email are the, still the number one attack vector for all cyber attacks. I think it's something like 90% all it. They're all initiated through that initial you know attack vector of email phishing. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Um, number two is usually systems that are facing the internet without your... Uh, awareness of what is actually out there. And that's usually on IT. And uh, we see this a lot to where organizations have just exposed a large number of services to the outside world uh, through their firewall. And there's a, lots of doors into their network from the outside. Uh, but phishing is still number one. I will say, though, ins- insider threats are a real thing. Insider- uh, explain. 
insider threats within companies are a very, mm-hmm. very real thing. And I get asked a lot, what do I mean by that? Um, it's not always the spy that was, um, you know, like the show, the Americans that, you know, they were, you know, created by the uh, Soviet Union and they live in Washington, D.C. and they've been trained and they're getting, you know, dead drop messages every day. It's usually not like that. However, um, there are corporate spies within companies. Don't get me wrong on that. There are corporate spies that work for nation states within companies a little bit, um, you know, rarer than than the usual. But insider threats exist. And usually they're in the form of a disgruntled employee that's looking for a golden parachute. They're collecting mm-hmm. information as they go through. Could be sensitive information about your clients. It could be sensitive information about you personally. And they're gathering this intel up so that when and if the time does come that you have to terminate them or something happens with the organization or they, be, they hit that break point in their happiness as an employee, they can have other options. So insider threats definitely exist within organizations. And, you know, with the global conflict that's going on and everything economically, we've seen more of that, I would say, over the last year than uh, most years that, that I've been doing this. Um, how, 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 does, how do those two tie into that increasing the internal threat? Yeah. So, you know, so the, the internal threats... Um, the reason why they're so dangerous is because they already have access, right? So they already have access to these certain things and it's become really easy to be anonymous these days to where Mm -hmm. you're fired from a company and the next day you go on the dark web and you say, Hey, I have access to this company putting it up for sale for, you know, $10,000 and somebody buys that access. They don't know who you are, but you've anonymously given them access to something that you've left within their organization. So you have a little bit of a golden parachute. Now, Phishing, phishing has gotten a little bit out of control because now attackers are using many other methodologies except email. So, you know, the traditional email phishing campaigns, they come in. However, they're looking at your phones so they can go and find your phone number, your cell phone number. Um, they know who you are, who works for you, so they can really craft very specific messages to you and get you to take, make a move on certain things. And uh, they used to be really easy to spot. You know, phishing emails a couple of years ago, they were they were easy. I mean, you'd look at them and very you'd say, easy, yeah, very easy. Like ninety five percent, you're like, come on, this is you're not even trying. But those still get people. Don't get me wrong. But now they're slow playing these things. Now they're they're getting in the middle of email communications between. So you're a business owner and you're talking to another business owner outside of your organization. You don't know that this other business owner's email account is compromised and attackers are watching your whole conversation. They're not watching just your conversation. They're watching all the conversations that this Mm -hmm. person is having with everybody else. So they start to pick through those messages and they wait for the opportunity for something transactional to happen between you two as business owners or collaborators with each other. Company A owes company B money. They wait until that point and then they intercept the messages, they change the accounting and routing information, and they receive $250,000, and company B does not. Even though company A owed them that money, they get in the middle of that, and they take that money, and it's gone. That's the problem. Wire transfers, there's not a whole lot to do to turn back from those things either. No, that's kind of a done deal. How, how common is this becoming that they're hopping into the middle of those? So I would say if you're a business owner, you must 
have a two-person process if you're dealing with wire transfers. You must have a two-person process. A two-person approval process that involves voice calling or physically talking to somebody in person, over the phone, whatever you have to do to validate all of the details of where this information is going because it is still common. You know, um, I would say that it's more common for under 10 grand. So under 10K is very common. Um, however, those large scores are still out there. We dealt with a business last year that lost 280K to an attack like this. And um, it wasn't very sophisticated. It was just as I told you, somebody on the other side of this email transaction had access to this person's email. They got in the middle of it. And then almost $300,000 was gone overnight. They wired the money um, and they didn't get the money back. It was gone. You know, it was gone. They sent mules into banks to go get the money out. So, you know, you've got to look for these red flags and wire transfers are definitely one of them for sure. Well, we're getting to the end of our time. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this has been fun, man. It, yeah. It's not what I, that's not what I intended to have happen, but, but man, I learned a lot. I think, I, I, I think one of the things that happens with cybersecurity is we go back to like the the matrix or these tv shows they portray it a certain way and i don't think we understand really at what we're risk for because especially the getting in the middle of your email on phishing things that that's a new one for me and and the ability that you guys actually have to walk in places and 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 do things but i started off with this with the question of why do we trust you and fully after our conversation i'm going to tell you trust this guy um, he never paused at a question. He never bucked at anything. So what I want you to do is give us where we can find you, get a hold of you, communicate with you, uh, and, and what you're offering to our listeners. Cause I think you're going to be an incredibly big value. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, I'll, I definitely want to leave everybody with a message of, if you feel confused in cybersecurity as a business owner, guess why you're not alone. You're really not. The field is changing so quickly that if anybody tells you that they have it all figured out, they're lying to you. Um, get, get professionals on your side who know what they're doing. That's the most important thing is as a business owner, if there's a subject that I do not understand, I seek out people who really know this stuff and, it, and that's their passion and their craft. Um, to find me, csgcyber.com. So uh, that's our website, csgcyber.com. We're on LinkedIn uh, at CSG Cyber. And um, you can get me on my LinkedIn as well. Uh, it's LinkedIn, Tyler Ward, what? Absolutely. And my name is Ryan Shear, and this is Small Business Chronicles. Uh, you can go to smallbusinessdelivered.com and you'll catch my show along with Cash Miller and Neil DiPantino. We're covering all ranges of business from marketing to business coaches. And if you want to have a podcast and talk to cool guests like Tyler here, you can go to uh, titanmediaworks.com. We're a full-fledged production company. We do all the stuff you don't want to do. We make it very easy for you to come sit down, do your thing, and uh, get let us do all the hard work and that comes with production, posting, uh, social media shorts. We design all the studios out for you virtually and all that. Um, and, it, and it's not going to be as much as what you think. And I'm going to leave that intrigue like I started it with to have you go to titanmediaworks.com slash pricing. And you can see how much it is to get your podcast started. Tyler, once again, thank you so much for stopping by today. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Hey, yes, sir.